What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Recorded live. Uh, good evening, everybody. It is Tuesday, January the 30th, 2018, and welcome to the call. So we are back again tonight with Walter. Walter, check that is. What have you got in store for us tonight, Walter? Well, I, I, first of all, I'm going to review some of the advantages and things about the silver bond that people don't realize. I came out with this document uh, quite a number of years ago, probably about 15 years ago now, and it does have some really great applications. You know, I, I've used it for all kinds of things, like getting people out of jail and and uh, doing stuff for foreclosure and other areas too. And uh, I was kind of discuss some of the areas um, that it does, but also why it really works. And that's the important thing. Um, besides. Um, Besides this, it's the least expensive way to do a bond uh, for people. People have um, bonds for all kinds of things with the courts. And instead of using stupid Federal Reserve notes that have no value, they can use real money. I mean, the actual money here is is the uh, silver money, uh, the silver dollars, which are the surety. Now, you're not the surety. The silver is, you know. So why why put yourself, try to put yourself at the risk of being surety for the court within use a silver for plus it's real money. And another thing too, the great thing about the bond, it it, it puts it, it comes from an entirely different direction. You know, if you if you possess twenty more dollars in, in dollars in a silver coin, you're not bankrupt. You know, however, the courts are only dealing in bankruptcy. So if you're not bankrupt, you're not in their jurisdiction. And the courts don't accept silver coins legal and lawful tender as payment. And they will refuse to put anything they do under the premise of perjury. And they should nullify their case every time through collateral estoppel. And there's all kinds of things with this uh, to use with this. And in addition to the silver bond, by the way, I have another document for consideration, which is real great. It's an affidavit to file impecuniously, which means without money, uh, using the 50 U.S.C., code with an attached memorandum. This is based on the Soldiers and Sailors Civil Relief Act. And this is uh, from fifty from five oh one to five oh say five oh one to five nine three. And this document can go up to about thirty pages if, if need be and it depends on the case. It's been proven very effective in fighting the courts as well. And uh impecunious literally means without money. And when you use this as a as a military veteran, armed with discharge, 
or an Arab one. Okay, you are uh, you are um, <clears throat> entitled to all rights and entitlements of the Soldiers and Sailors Civil Relief Act. Now that act, uh, the beauty of this, how this ties into it, is, is people that are in the military typically are not paid with gold and silver coin for their service. And if they haven't been paid for that in a long, long time, many, many years ago. But anyway, right now they're all paid in Federal Reserve notes or with a script or uh, Treasury debit, debit numbers. That's not really payment for real money. Real money uh, is actually the gold and silver coin of their, that the government pledged to pay them. And since they're not paid that real money, all of the rights that are conferred upon them and their families and their progeny forever. Isn't that great? Think about this. So when they go to court, the court has to pay all the fines, penalties, forfeitures. They have an attorney. They have to, the court has to pay for the attorney. They have to have all this. And the person, that the veteran or his heirs or, or descendants, don't waive any rights. Isn't that good? Think about this. I, I mean, normally you have in there the... The attorney, if you have an attorney in the case, the attorney will be uh, sidestepping everything you say. Well, you tell the attorney what to do, and if he doesn't, you discharge him. Simple. Go on. Just like that. Now, that's that's one area I want to discuss. I, I mean, I just mentioned. I mean, if people have interest in that, uh, they can get with me and get which hat, I mean, and we can go from there. Now, some other things that I just came up with today. This is very interesting. Um, you know, people have fighting this thing, dealing with you know, not being a person with these courts and not being and not being subject under statutes, codes, rules, and regulations. So I came up with a really good document, a real good paragraph today to put in documents. I'll just read it verbatim here. I think you'll like it. When it starts out, it says, it says I am a living, breathing man, or woman in this case maybe, uh, with a living soul, and my existence is not predicated upon statutes, codes, rules, and regulations directed at fictional entities operating in a fictional capacity in order to breathe. Okay. The laws I obey come directly from the Creator, namely the Ten Commandments, which say nothing about obeying fictional entities with man-made statutes, codes, rules, and regulations meant only for public officials to obey, who are each of parties the Constitution or subject to it. Now, if you say that I, as a man, am required to obey your said codes, then you are making a religious determination for me without my consent, and permitting, you are committing religious discrimination against me for believing what my Creator commanded me to do and are enabling a religious court against me outside of religious jurisdiction and contrary to your sworn oath to protect my each and every constitutional right, contrary to making your unlawful ultra-virus determination against me, which is which I think is pretty good. So basically, it makes all these arguments being as a person a religious dog, a religious argument. Okay, and they can't handle it because we don't have religious courts, do we? So it's out of their jurisdiction. Okay. Some other things to consider, if you go to the Bible, one of the statements in there is, is uh, you shall, this is on from Exodus 23, 32 to 33, on the Bible on, New King, New, um, on the uh, New King James Version Bible. It says, you shall make no covenant or contract or franchise with them, 
or that refer to the foreigners or pagans, nor what their pagan or what their gods or the pagan government uh, laws or judges. They shall not dwell in their land, and he shall not dwell in theirs by becoming uh, by becoming a resident or domiciliary in the process of contracting with them, lest they make you sin against me, or God. For if you serve their, or put in, in brackets, government, their gods under, in brackets, under contract or agreement or franchise in brackets, it will surely be a snare to you. So there's all kinds of other 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 uh, scriptures you can use to tie in with this and supporting your position. Okay? I can go into a whole bunch of those, but I like to cover other subjects too. Um, that's one area. Now, does anybody have any questions so far? It's star eight on your phone if you do. As I'm going to go into another area here, and let's cover one thing at a time. Uh, no questions, so go ahead. Okay, good. Okay, now the next part, this is dealing with uh, grand juries, grand jury investigations, indictments, and immunity. Now, most people don't know about this, but you have the, the federal grand juries. They're a group of, of between probably 16 and 23 citizens. That's not including alternate jurors who are selected by a court in much the same way the jurors are selected for a trial jury. Okay, or a trial, trial jury is also known as petite jury. However, Unlike the jury in a criminal trial, a grand jury does not decide whether someone is guilty. Instead, the grand jury's role in a criminal matter is to investigate whether there is probable cause to find that a crime has been committed, and if so, who If a grand jury finds probable cause that a person committed a federal crime, then the grand jury will return an indictment. In a nutshell, an indictment is a criminal charge that gets the, tri- gets the trial process started and tells the defendant what crime or crimes he or she is accused of having committed. Now, moving along from that area, uh, let's see, they, um, let's see, uh, the grand jury is in effect, is run not by the jury's foreperson, but by the prosecutor, who is usually a government lawyer called an assistant United States attorney, or AUSA. In some in some cases, the AUSA will work with a partner from the U.S. Attorney's Office and or from the Criminal Division of the Department of Justice or Main Justice. If you get subpoenaed by a grand jury, you will know who is the AUSA in charge of the case and can, and can, can contact him or her to discuss logistical issues because his or her name and phone number will be typed on a subpoena. Now, this goes on here. It goes on to talk about uh, what I want to get into is dealing with we uh, have two different types of subpoenas. Now, one is a subpoena ad testificandum, and that's the order commanding that a witness appear before a grand jury testify, or a subpoena ducis tecum, and people have probably heard of this before. It's an order commanding that a person give a grand jury the papers or objects described in the subpoena, or a subpoena can be both, in order commanding that a person both testify and produce documents or objects. To be effective, subpoena must be served upon the person which is done by a marshal or an FBI agent. Now, this goes into the latitude of the grand juries, but um, as it talks about complying with subpoena, do just take them. 
Um, one thing that I thought of uh, is that, you know, implying what these uh, grand juries are actually any court demanding questions or demanding answers, uh, you can also lose the fact that you're not, you say, I'm not an attorney, I, can't make, I cannot make a legal determination of what you're asking for because nobody can require you to make a legal determination, can they? And it's real simple. Now, that, that, lies, that leads into another area dealing with uh, being uh, uh, immunized, not, not for vaccination, but I'm talking about immunized from the court from prosecution. Now, people don't realize this, but just because you've been immunized, there's no guarantee that you won't get indicted anyway. The grant of immunity only means that they won't use your testimony against you. If before you testify, the government already had enough evidence to get the grand jury to indict you, then you can get indicted on the basis of that other evidence. That's why this is called use immunity. You're only immunized against the government using your own testimony against you. However, as a practical matter, it can often be difficult for the government to prove that all the evidence used in getting you indicted and all the evidence used in getting you convicted at a trial came from sources other than your own testimony, and then it goes on from there. Now, dealing with the types of immunity, uh, some people, a lot of people don't know, there's another type of immunity called transactional immunity. Now, if you're granted transactional immunity, you're protected from being prosecuted for any matter about what you testify, even if the government has other evidence apart from your testimony that it could use against you. However, because transactional immunity lets people go scot-free, prosecutors rarely give people transactional immunity unless a person has also agreed to a guilty plea. If the government wants you to testify before a grand jury and hasn't negotiated a plea deal of some sort, they're most likely to get use immunity, which is a lot lesser. So I'll throw that out for people to know. Uh, that's some interesting things in here. Uh, that's some of the key things in our, on that article. Now, i move on to the next item here. Uh, this is an example of a subpoena ducis tecum, as far as issuing one. Now, this could be used to for a, used, issued to a police officer or another party as a witness uh, to a crime or a trial, and it goes to the clerk of the court to issue it. And you say, you know, please issue a subpoena ducis tecum. That's uh, the last word is T-U-T-E-C-U-M, okay? And deuces is D-E-U-C-E-S. Uh, this is for, and you put the name of the officer as a witness and to produce the following legal papers, documents, records under his control for the trial or, or data trial as these documents are absolutely essential for the accused defense. So there's a whole bunch of items you can throw in. This could be very, very flexible for the format I have as far as using this. Uh, number one, any legal papers, documents, or records under, this, under his control other than documents obtained by fraud without full, full disclosure that create the presumption that your name is spelled uh, upper or lowercase or whatever uh, is a resident of the name of the state or state of uh, California, Arkham, whatever it is, all capital. Uh, that's number one. Uh, number two, uh, you're asking for any legal papers, documents, or records under his control other than documents obtained by fraud without full disclosure 
that establish your name called uh, administration is, is engaged in a reputable reputable in trafficking and commerce. And then next is and the papers, documents, or records under the control other than documents obtained by fraud without full disclosure that establishes this case as an adversary proceeding pursuant to bankruptcy rule section uh, or in-rem proceeding. And it moves on here. Uh, this is any legal papers. I'm not going to go through all this in here that, uh, that are, um, that say that all that uh, lowercase or case name is an official fictitious person, juristic personality, or entity referred to by the state as your name in all caps. And the next was any any legal papers, documents, etc. that establish your name spell. In this case, it is a vessel. And next, for example, like a, like a vessel on the sea. If they're they're all or no, not a vessel, vessel, vessel. Um, next is um, any legal papers, documents, or records uh, that establish that your name will uh, spell co-bankrupt with with state all name caps. So they have to show uh, and can't show any of this. Uh, another one: the, the legal papers, documents, or records. Uh, uh, without full disclosure, they establish. This case in your name spells a uh, miscase, uh, as in rem and in, as in rem and in personam has liability. And next, any legal papers, documents, and such, establish name is a co-obligator with the name of the state and county, which is all capital. Uh, and then this is um, this for discovery and interrogatories too. And then, of course, the name of the policeman or county prosecutor. Uh, and then this would go to, for the, for these discoveries and interrogatories, uh, okay, we asked number one, under what trust trust or trust are the corporations charged as the name of the state and county in all capital under? And the Constitution for the United States of America guaranteed a Republican form of government. Three, where in the Constitution of the United States of America, the authority of the federal government to incorporate establish a democratic corporation form of government. And I, I, is there any any questions to go for us? I have more to go through here. Any questions? Any um, questions? Are you hearing anything in your phone as far as any kind of touch tones or anything? Yes, I am. What are you hearing? I'm hearing, you know, beep, 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 like that. Uh, do you have? Is your phone right up against your cheek or your uh, headset or what? It's right, it's right on my cheek, and I don't have a headset. Hold on. There's no questions right now, but I think your cheek is rubbing up against the phone. Okay, I'll, I'll keep it away then. Okay, I didn't, I didn't think it was touching there. Okay. Uh, next one, uh, does this or these trusts issue permits and licenses? And next, does this trust uh, trust articles place the registered owner or licensed agent in a fiduciary position or both? Uh, six, if so, 
is a license or a permittee and employee under contract. So everything's under contract. They have to have a contract here as far as any civil matters, and they don't. Uh, what are the limitations imposed upon the licensed employee as stated in the contract issued under the authority of the trust? So what they're doing, they're setting up a constructive trust for your name without your permission. So this is the trust they're referring to. And they also put bonds on it. They derive from the social security number or birth certificate. That's the issue. Uh, next one is uh, either uh, Mr. the name of the prosecutor. Oh, by the way, when you use the word Mr. or Miss or Mrs., all that refers to a plebeian. Uh, and that's the lowest, that's a title, but the lowest title as a serf. People don't know that. So when you call a judge Mr. So-and-so, you're calling him a serf instead of calling him judge. What's wrong with that? Mr., well, if you're a plebeian, if you're a serf or a slave, that's a title for a slave. Mr. or Mrs. or Miss is a title, is a title. It's a title for the lowest class slave of society. So that's what I tell you that. So it says it's either Mr., the name of the prosecutor, or the name of the prosecutor in charge of the case, a licensed foreign agent under the articles of the trust, and they're not. They're, they're foreign agents, okay, but they, don't, they never register as such. Uh, if so, is this license for administrative enforcement of the name of the state? Uh, you put the name of the state in there. Revised statutes of the state of, you put the name of the state in. Uh, and you don't see the, the advantage of coming from this standpoint because these are things they have to bring forth. Uh, you're demanding their production of these documents, and they have to have them. They're putting this, they're putting all this out to expose their fraud, you see. That's the beauty of this document. Uh, and that's one, what is the beauty of, what is the public community? And the next one, is this contract a commercial contract? Okay. And next, uh, next one, is this, is, uh, is the name of the prosecutor or prosecutor in charge of the municipal corporation known as the prosecuting attorney's office, a fiduciary and or trustee under the trust? Which is very important because these these are they typically are they're basically they're operating in this particular capacity and basically um, as fiduciary they're, they're trying to come in and um, they wind up trying to take over the case um, or the next one are the aforementioned individuals under contract to the municipal corporation known as uh, the all cap uh, name of the county and caps there. Uh, and next, um, or the affirmation individuals under contract with the trust chartered as a service corporation on behalf of the petitioned entity called the state of, and put the state of the name, California or Oregon, whatever. Okay, and next is the name of the petitioned entity called the, and you have state of, and with the all capital name for the state, yes or no. And next, uh, what other name does the entity function under? And he lists all names of, of the petition entity and trust. So they have all kinds of other names that they have as well. So you want those all listed. Uh, where is the fictitious entity chartered? So they have to be chartered somewhere. All these are corporations. Uh, they're, not, uh, they're not government organizations. They're chartered, and they have an initial uh, charter uh, date 
and date and time and uh, and beginning. Uh, Next, is this um, a fictitious entity or a, is this fictitious entity a municipal corporation, which is important. Uh, They are fictitious entities, and if they're municipal corporations, okay, you want to find out, basically, uh, they're coming against you as a corporation and not a government entity, and they're committing false personation. Which is which is a nice thing to know. Uh, next, what is the geographical geographical location of this charter fictitious entity? Okay, uh, geographically, where does it stand, or is it something that just covers the uh, the territories of the United States? Uh, and next, uh, is said fictitious entity an alter ego of some other entity? So, in other words, what's it derived from? Uh, next, uh, can a fiduciary bring a legal action on behalf of an alter ego? And next, uh, can an attorney at law litigate as an agent on behalf of a fictitious plaintiff or an alter ego? Uh, and they really can. They they have to deal with some living party in there somewhere. Um, or they because attorneys can't testify, you see, they, they can. They can uh, yeah. deal with all kinds of other areas, but not testify. Uh, next, are the aforementioned individual registered as a foreign agent on behalf of the alter ego principal with the Attorney General of the United States? And I, I go on and on. There, oh my God! There's, oh, there's only about ten more questions, and I can go through all these, but um, there's more. So, what's the gist of all this? Well, the gist of it is. I'm referring, these are questions that you would all ask in a subpoena ducis tecum. I think it's a water here. Okay. Subpoena ducis tecum is basically you're demanding certain papers or documents to be presented, you know, for evidence. So you're asking all the evidence in there from the other entities that are coming against you to show their position of authority, where they're coming from, where they're derived from, and and what uh, basically what delegation authority they have, and also showing that their their corporation, you know, where where, where does the corporation have a a have a hold on you as a living man? Basically, so basically they're treat they're treating your name as a trust, but it's not a trust. You, you are a living, breathing soul. And that's what I was getting back to begin with. All right. Okay. So these so, are all kinds of questions that are dealing with us that you so can film. What kind of court case would this be used in? You can use this in virtually any court. I mean, for criminal, okay. civil, it doesn't matter. The fact so, if is, you're, so if you're in a criminal court case, <coughs> who would you serve this upon? Well, this would be served upon the attorney. The attorney coming against you, the prosecutor. Okay. He has to show all this. You also put it uh, on the judge, too. I mean, the judge has to show his position that he's not What if they don't? Well, if they don't, then there's this thing as collateral estoppel. And you put it in for the record. They didn't respond in a timely manner, and they're collateral estopped. Put it right in there. Okay. They, they would have that in there, and then basically they would be individually liable. Uh, they'd be commercially liable uh, in their individual capacity because they don't have bonds. If they don't have bonds and they're operating out there in the open and they're they're putting themselves out in harm's way. They can be attached in the individual capacity for any unlawful action they 
that they uh, they do against other people. And there's two words: the word crime, which is an act against the state, uh-huh. and they're operating only under the crime area, dealing with the statutes, code, rules, or regulations. Rules and regulations, where the word tort is a is an action of one man a lot of one man against another. They don't deal with torts; they deal with crimes, and the, all of the things they're dealing with are or things against their statutes, codes, rules, or rules and regulations, which uh, have no effect on the living man who is not a public official. So they're coming from a totally different area, and people are identifying themselves when they go in the court typically as a party, and that's what gives the, the court their jurisdiction. But this is overturning their little apple cart music. So this comes from a totally different direction. They don't like this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. There, there's a there's a whole bunch more questions like All right. in this document like this thirty six. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to cover it anymore because it goes on and on. And on. I wear my mouth out just just trying to repeat this. But you, so you kind of see where where I'm coming from here. You you put the burden of proof on them. You put the onus on them. See. Okay. All right. Now the next one is this is regards to Trinity versus Pagliaro, which is a court case that came out. And um, this, um, I can read some of the key things in here, which are really important dealing with attorneys. Now, a lot of people think that well, attorneys are there, they're, they're not gods, they're, they're just men, but they have certain responsibilities and they can only do certain things. They have certain limitations. They don't have unlimited powers, okay? And this is, um, uh, for one thing here, it's a violation of the 11th Amendment the 11th Amendment for a foreign citizen to invoke the judicial power of the state. That's under Article 11. Uh, the judicial power of the United States shall not be construed to extend to any suit in law or equity commenced or prosecuted against one of the United States by citizens of another state or by citizens of subject of any foreign state. Okay, which is key. And then the other thing is U.S. citizens or federal citizens are foreign to the several states and subjects of the federal United States or state of New uh, Columbia or District of Columbia. And then uh, the attorneys are considered foreign agents under the Foreign Agents Registration Act or FARA and are subjects of the Bar Association. And government is foreclosed from a party with real people, and this floats uh, Penhall versus Don administrators from 1795. Uh, and then I'm kind of skipping down here a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the, it says the attorney for a plaintiff cannot admit evidence into the court. It's either an attorney or a witness, and that's under Trinity versus Penhall. <laughs> That's DCPA 1964, 229F647. And then the next part is here. Um, let's see, I'm not going to read all this, but this is um, some of the key things I want to get into. Oh, here it is. Um, no instruction was asked, but as we understand, the judge told the jury that they were to regard only the evidence admitted by him, not statements of counsel. That's Holt versus United States. You ever notice that a lot of these attorneys, they have these judgments on judgments that they have uh, 
we have um, dealing with my judgments, but um, uh, summary summary judgments, you know, against uh, people in foreclosure, for example, and making all the statements as as though as though they have first had knowledge. Well, they can't testify and remain as counsel at the same time. The only person who testify is the bank name, Coca-Cola, whoever they're coming in, some fiction, has to testify. And they can't testify. That's why these attorneys, but attorneys can't testify, so it's a trap. Uh, but basically, when people hear people, these attorneys testify like that, they can object because that's all hearsay, and they can't testify. There's another one here. Uh, it says, the prosecutor is not a witness, and he should not be permitted to add to the record, either by subtle or gross improprieties. Those who have experienced the full thrust of the power of government when leveled against them know that the only protection a citizen has is an requirement for a fair trial. That's Donnelly versus De Cristoforo in 1974. And then, let's see, there's more and more here. I'm reading them really... uh, ones. A statement of counsel and brief or argument are not sufficient for motion, dismiss, or for summary judgment. That's Trinity versus Prendiaro again. Factual statements or documents appearing only in brief shall not be deemed be part of the record in the case unless specifically permitted by the court. And that's Oklahoma Court of Rules and Procedure and also Federal Rule 17, 7.1H. And let's see here. Um, where, the, where there are no depositions, admissions, or affidavits, the court has no facts to rely on for, for summary judgment. And that's under Trinity versus Pregliaro again. And let's see here. Uh, oh, this is a key one. Porter versus Porter, 1979. The practice of an attorney filing an affidavit in, on behalf of his client asserting the status of that client is not approved inasmuch as not only does the affidavit become hearsay, but it places the attorney in a position of witness, thus compromising his role as his advocate. So they can't do both. I've seen cases where they do both, and, and they seem to get away with it, but people don't know this. That's why I'm trying to explain this. Uh, another one, um, Dale versus Detroit Creamery Company, Michigan, 1932. Statutes forbidding administering of oath by attorneys in cases in which they may be engaged applies to affidavits as well. So they can't, you know, whether they do uh, vocally in court or in affidavits, if they, have, if they do testify, they have to have first knowledge as well, and they don't, typically. So that kind of, any, any questions on that part? You guys, if you have any questions, hit star 8 on your phone, please. Okay. I don't no. Sometimes it takes a while, people. All right, I'll wait. Put I'll the wait. phone down. They got. Oh, look at that! Arizona John has a question. Great. Go ahead. Greetings, fellow Americans. I'm interested in that one case number you said. The only way a citizen could defend himself, and nothing to allow summary judgment. You had quarter versus quarter, and then before that, you had another case. I didn't seem to be able to write fast enough. Was that was that the Porter versus Porter? Yeah, I, just, I don't know. How's that spelled? 
P-O-R-T-E-R versus P-O-R-T-E-R. Okay. What was the case law? What was the case law before that? It was a 1964 case, I believe. Okay, uh, that was the Trinity versus Pregliaro, 1964. Okay, um, I'm there's step 647. There's several ones on that. But how do you say now? Trinity T R I N N C R I N S E Y versus Pregliaro. Pagliaro, or Pagliaro, I mean, P-A-G-L-I-A-R-O. That's D.C. Pennsylvania, P.A., 1964. 229-S. T-A-L-D? It's P-A-G-L-I-A-R-O. I-A-R-O. Pagliaro. You know, Trinity with Beverly Arrow. Wow. All right. Okay, I, I enjoyed that. That was very good. Thank you. All right. Any more questions? No. Any I, more questions? It's star eight. You explained okay. it real well. Good. Okay. I'll wait for a second. I don't think we have any more questions. Continue on. Good. Well, we'll charge. This is a great charge. It's not the cluster charge. He failed, but, you know, this is the Walt check charge. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this, this is, uh, this, I pulled out a little passage. I did this for a guy years ago on occasion. And basically, he's reviewing, he's revoking you know, all the signatures and title of attorneys, uh, whether they're real, presumed, or, or assumed, which have been obtained under coercion and duress or through fraud or misrepresentation of employees or agents of the corporate United States, as all caps, on behalf of uh, the notice of resignation of office of person titling, put his all capital title name in there, and a comma his next case name, and uh, very different items of there and, uh, as far as the spelling, and then uh, his all capital name and assignment to the United States, uh, claimant is in grave danger, fearing life and safety. However, claimant is without attorneys or attorney, uh, as counsel uh, does, as counsel does not consent to attorney or attorney says counsel to represent claimant. If this or these above respondents, I had a whole bunch of there in the letter above, their supervisors, heirs, and agents and assigns demands that claims claimant shall obtain attorneys as counsel or continue to represent the notice of resignation from office of person title in his all capital name uh, when there's different other spellings uh, in assignments in the United States. The respondent shall specify in writing with all said congressional mandates that there's three of them uh, as listed in the current Federal Register which required a claimant to have a set attorney as counsel, citing each valid statute and implementing regulation therefore, thereof sworn to under the pains and penalties of perjury with an affirmation by independent notary public wedding signed with proof of claim annexed within three days of receipt plus three additional days to allow for mailing of this notice of resignation from office of person title in his all capital name again. Uh, and then um, per truth lending regulation Z, which is 
this is some of the final parts of the document. So basically, he's pulling out. He's he's he's, blah, re, blah. he's resigning. He's resigning uh, his position as assumed or presumed as far as all capital name about any quarter entity thereof, which is pretty good old document. Any any question on that part? Uh, just keep going, and we're done. We'll open it up for oh, okay. general questions. All right, all right. Uh, see, another one I have here. Let's see here. Let's see. Let's see the larger. See there. Okay, this is a um, motion for um, protective order and, and objections to all discovery and request for costs to be assessed or request against the defendant. Or frivolous attorney's fees. This is a motion against that, and it goes into the fact that um, this this document that was presented to him was wholly lacking in foundation, as this person is uh, the, uh, the prosecuting attorney. Attorney has failed to provide this court with the statute, role, rule, or law that empowers this court to deprive the defendants of the constitutionally reserved right of due process embodied in reciprocal discovery and discovery. Question, question. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Just somebody that's being obnoxious. Okay. Uh, reserve, uh, the constitutionally reserved right of due process embodied in reciprocal discovery and discovery under the counterclaim. Uh, this person is also, or the attorney coming against him, has also failed to inform this court of the statute, rule, or law that requires the defendants to postpone for discovery and attorney's fees for frivolous discovery. This court has also noticed uh, that this, uh, this party has imposed on this court to ratify uh, this person's patently frivolous filings to wit. Uh, this attorney has not established this court subject matter jurisdiction by showing one. Uh, in this case, they had a company coming against them called Great Seneca Financial Corporation. I uh, standing to sue in Florida's course. Number two, the Great Seneca's corporate charter authorized Great Seneca to engage consumer lending. Three, that Great Seneca's corporate charter authorized Great Seneca to file lawsuits in foreclosure of consumer debt. Uh, four, that Grace Seneca is presently the holder of lateral, a lateral contract for a debt, naming these two parties as obligators to Grace Seneca. Five, that Grace Seneca is nominated one or more competent fact witnesses who can testify to the business records of Grace Seneca showing damages in fact. Or six, that there's parties uh, that are coming against them, the attorney firm, has delegated authority to represent Grayson. <coughs> Absent these proofs, uh, this party who's coming against him has filed a patently frivolous lawsuit as as well as committed the, the crimes of mail, fraud, and extortion. So you, you bring this out to them that they don't have any proof. There's no evidence. You can't do things based on assumption and presumption and get anywhere. They have to absolutely proof in every area. And they don't. And um, let's see. Um, let's see. That's some of the 
few things in here. As far as bringing out, okay, one area there. Let's see what else I can pull up. That's only got top ones here. Workbook. Okay. Uh, here's another one dealing with verified bill of particulars. I, this is where you have a, um, a certain date. Of this person came personally came and appeared before me in this party according to the laws and constitution of the United States of America and Ohio, in this case, being first duly sworn to law, swears to tell the truth, opposes it says, following to be first-hand knowledge, true and correct. You always have to say that you're you're dealing with, when you're, when you're testifying, you testify, that you're always testifying with first-hand knowledge. And so it can't be counted as hearsay, all right? And it goes into, um, let's see, I'm trying to cover the important things in this. Um, that uh, this, um, it's part of the bill with the IRS in this case. The, at the time, the alleged cause of action arose. And still, vessels, residents, corporations in the United States, District of Columbia, State of Ohio, under Title 31, Chapter 1, Subpart B, Subpart Part A, Part 51, SS 51.2, and page 333, um, and that uh, these are liable ones that are against them. Uh, as Internal Revenue Service, the administrative agent has exclusive control of the issuance of the information instrument, which will cause injury to the dissenting alleged accused by invading rights and denying due process without producing authority, that's that delegated authority, uh, upon which issuance of information contrary to a contrary a true bill depends. Please verify and, pre and prefer the instrument information presentment by producing sworn affidavit of injury to a material man, woman, property, act of moral turpitude, or in the alternative, the contract agreement establishing equity, law merchant, admiralty, maritime, ministerial jurisdiction, which gives officer authority to issue such information for the benefit of the principal, the federal, corporate, state rather than and contrary than uh, one of the federal states of the republic united by the constitution of the united states of america under common law upon performance required contrary conscience without consent as determined by the standard of care required produced title under title 5 usc that uh, goes into title 5 U.S.C. SS 556D. Uh, and let's see, that's probably referring to the, the Administrative Procedure Act. That looks familiar. That, that's, that means the proponent of a rule or a burden of proof. They have the burden of proof. Under Title 26, and uh, let's say that's uh, six, uh, sections uh, 6001, 6011, 6012, and it goes on all different sections of the go horses painting up. And then, okay, uh, so so what does this do right here? All this that you read, this, what does that well, do? This, okay, what this does in a nutshell is that they have, they're, you're showing 
they have to show that you are not a that to show that you're a person, number one, you're subject to all of the rules and regulations, uh, that you but you're showing them that they're inviting your rights and denying your due process rights and they're they're not producing their authority to do so. So they're coming off the wall and saying, I can do this and I can do that. Oh really? Why? Why can you do this? Where's your authority to do this? You have rights. You have more rights than me as a man, for example. Why? Why can you do this? I mean, by, by what authority? If you don't have authority, you know, put up or shut up. Get out. You know, get. Right. You know, so that's what we're talking about here. This is. Uh, they don't have the constitutional rights. They don't have the contract, and they show that no one was damaged. There's no damaged party. Where are they coming from? This must be. The the court of thin air, you know, virtual court based on not uh, Lala Land. <clears throat> okay. So there's there's more material in this and here and there's a so long but there's a lot of stuff in this one. All right. Um, well, we're getting close to our hour. Why don't we just open it up for discussion? Oh, well, sure, sure. So if anybody has any comments, questions, or anything you want to talk about, hit star 8 on your phone because uh, we'd like to talk to you and, and hear what you have to say. Okay, Arizona John, go ahead. I've been studying law for 20-some years, been affected by it my whole life, obviously. It, to me... As an intellectual man, it's all stupid. I cannot understand why we have to have millions and millions of laws, millions of new ones every year. Why can't we have the Ten Commandments and go back to the basics and and eliminate all this Feldergarb? Because truly, that's what it is. It's wasting well, all the people's time. Yes, we, is. the people, deserve to have our lives back and be governed by true law of God rather than all this ridiculous minutia. That is, that is absolutely correct. But one thing to consider as well, all of the statutes, codes, rules, and regulations don't apply to you and me and men and women that are just living, breathing souls and not public officials. It only applies to them. The problem is these public officials are, are basically stating that these rules apply to us. Well, they don't. Because we are not parties to the Constitution. We're not subject to do it. They are. They are, not us. So we have to inform them as such that these are not our laws. That's their laws. It's just like you have kids playing games on one side of the street and the other one playing another game. Kids playing baseball at a certain game as far as hits and runs and strikes. And the other kids down the street are playing football. Well, I don't think the same rules apply, do they? No, that's the way to put it. We did not make the laws; they did. Well, not only that, they they only not only made the laws, but they wrote them, and they know what each of these terms really mean. We don't. They have many imputed meanings in each of the words, common words, which they use for other meanings, and only people that know what they mean, or the people who wrote them, or the attorneys that have studied extensively and know what they really mean. Right. That's, it's, that's it's the problem. Got, All right? It's like 
like the Indians used to describe it, uh, unfortunately, most of the white men spoke with forked tongue. Yeah. Well, that's right. That's right. Well, they still are. Um, and, oh, yeah. And now. yeah. Well, I appreciate it. That was a good answer. Thank you. You're welcome. Anybody else? Hit star eight on your phone. Any more questions? Tejas, you're next. Texas, go ahead. Your phone unmuted. Maybe your phone's on mute. Hello? There you go. Go ahead. Go ahead. We can hear you. What's your question? Texas, what's your question? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, this, is, this is John in Texas. Yes, I just, John. Uh, I just had a little more of a follow-up to reply to that question that was just asked about why we have all these codes and everything. And, uh, it's my opinion. And I think that opinion is supported by uh, events we see, but there is a there is a limited size of organization anymore throughout our world that has a massive amount of financial clout. And what that financial clout is attempting to do is encroach on the well-being of the rest of the people on the planet because in their opinion, there are too many of us. Now, there's a lot of things that prove what I'm about to say here, but if you look at it this way, the more they can come up with codes and things of this nature that steal our labor, the more they empower themselves and the more they take away our capability to look after ourselves. And so if you stop and think about just simply the principle of inflation, a 2% inflation is their target per year. And look what's happened over the last... Uh, say, 50 years to the cost of of living, the cost of, of, uh, of housing, you, you name it, you know. Uh, but all of these codes and all the stuff, that, that adds to the burden. And it gives them more power. Well, it also has more power, more control, and the whole thing is power. You just like... Once people want to become attorneys, it's not because of the money. It's because they want to have power over the people. That's their major objective. Okay, power is the most most important thing because they they have a, a surge to have that. And to me, I give a damn. I mean, people do what they want to do. I don't really care from that standpoint for controlling anybody. I mean, these people are control freaks. They want to control everybody to do everything they want to do, 
uh, or have do, which are not in our best interest. That's the problem. I mean, it's it's might be you have to have some control in society. I, I agree, but by the same token, when you address human society, is is bent over backwards to destroy society as far as principles, legal principles, and other laws and regulations. Then there's something wrong with this picture, and that's a, that's the problem we have right now. It's not that it's not the administration; it's the um, of the laws. It's having the laws there to begin with that really are damaging everybody to a very large degree in many many ways, from death to injury to uh, to uh, disenfranchising people from their property and lawfully with foreclosures and other things. And, and destroying the economy where people can't live in a, in a good in a good environment. Okay, that's the whole idea. It's so only the, the kingpins out there that can live really well and look, every, look down everybody else. That could be a good you know. All right, so at this point, I'm going to call it a night. We have one more yeah. person on the question, but I'm going to take it after we... Uh... Yeah, well, the recording. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.